Saturday morning. Welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. Another Saturday morning. Here we are, October 26th, right before Halloween. Hope your costume is all put together. Mine's not. I'm not dressing up this year. Sorry. No parties to go to. Nothing planned this year. Just going to sit with my bag of candy and enjoy myself. I do have some candy. I did buy it, so I'm, I'm ahead of schedule. Last week I was talking about, you know, making sure you are well prepared and not that last minute person like I usually am, but I do have candy in the house. And whatever the kids don't get, I get. It's a good good thing. I love I love Halloween. It's just a, a, a fun time of year. I hope all your decorations are up and you're enjoying the holiday and getting ready for the kids. I know my this is my mother's favorite holiday. In our neighborhood where I grew up, she usually gets anywhere from 50 to 100 kids. You know, a really great turnout. They, You know, she has all the different ornaments and stuff out on the lawn and, you know, really just enjoys this. And, of course, my uh, brother's son, Jack, is three now, and he's just getting right into it now. So, you know, it's a great time of year for kids and really, really enjoyable time. So Halloween, hope you got your pumpkin and you're all ready to carve and and do all that. We are uh, spending time with friends carving pumpkins. We do it every year. A whole host of uh, friends get together with all their kids and and we just have a great night out of it. You know, make a great fall dinner and, you know, sit around and carve pumpkins and enjoy, you know, stories. And it's a great time to get a whole bunch of people together. Get a whole bunch of your friends together with their kids and spend an evening and all carve your pumpkins. It's a great way to add a whole lot of fun to it. We've been doing it for years and years now, and it's just kind of a tradition year in and year out. So, uh, you know, think about starting that type of um, event and uh, getting a whole bunch of people from you know, your neck of the woods together to, to carve the pumpkins. A few weeks ago, we talked about how to help preserve your pumpkin. And, you know, let's go over that a little bit because it's been a couple weeks now. And with pumpkins, it's important to think about sealing them. So I use Vaseline and just wipe the inside of the pumpkin and the top after um, I have carved it. That will help seal in the moisture and make sure that it doesn't collapse on you right away. The other thing that's important is think about not using a candle. Now they make these great little lights that are on a timer or photo, you know, uh, cell driven. So they turn on as as the light, as the sun goes down and they shut off, you know, when the sun comes up. So think about you know, using one of those little candles. Uh, when you burn a candle in a pumpkin, it basically makes it rot quicker. So just kind of food for thought. Those are two things I always recommend when it comes to pumpkins, okay, is making sure that we protect them so that they last a little bit longer. If you're carving a few days before, it's usually not a big concern regardless, you know, but we usually carve ours about seven days out. So it's a great way to help, you know, preserve them. Should be getting all of your bulbs in the ground at this point. Okay, we are in the sweet spot for planting all of your fall bulbs for that beautiful spring color. You know, make sure you're getting your tulips in where your annuals are. Make sure and add to those naturalizing areas. Couple tips when you're planting your bulbs. Two and a half times the size of the bulb is the depth that they want to go in. 
okay, and mark where your bulbs are. Also, last week you we talked a lot about how to protect them. You know, the soil perfector, the mole max, you know, the, the shake away, all of those things to keep the critters out from digging them up and eating them before you even get any spring flowers. So now's the time. Get them in the ground. They're going to build a lot of root system. The success for a bulb is well-drained soil. So if you have heavy clay, it's very tough, you know, but that's a key to success. Okay. The other thing is, think about this time of year. Think about a terrarium. It's that time of year. A terrarium is a great way to really add some nice house plants. They're very low maintenance because the water just kind of recycles in the terrarium. So if you have, a, you want to get children involved, it's a great way to kind of get them involved in easy gardening. The other thing about a terrarium is it can be a great situation for a fairy garden. Okay? So fairy gardens, we've talked about it time and time and time again. How do we get the kids engaged? Hopefully this summer you had a fairy garden outside, and now we've brought the fairy gardens to the tropics. You know, they got their little garden oasis in the terrarium. You know, you got your little beach in there, you know, and they're having a great time on vacation all winter. They're snowbird you know, snowbirds. So, you know, think about that. You know, it's a great, great way to involve kids in the winter months in gardening. The other way to involve kids I always like is grow some basil, okay? Grow some lettuce. It's simple. You can put it on the windowsill, but get them involved in growing something and harvesting it and eating it. It will make a connection for the growing season. So after we're done, you know, with the winter months and we start heading into spring, bring them into the garden center. Show them where the plants come from, what we need to plant, how we need to plant them. Start that education young. Get involved in a community garden. Maybe volunteer sometimes. In the Yarmouth Community Garden, they have a children's program there. That's just great. Okay, so maybe get get your kid involved somehow that way also. But get them out in the garden. Get them started in the winter months. Get them interested. Let's face it, it's too much computer and TV time. Let's get them out there and enjoying, you know, some of the the landscape in the winter months. Show them where the bird, you know, the birds and eating the fruit. Talk to them about all of that. The other thing is, do you still have geraniums out in your yard? It's getting kind of late now. We might have had some really heavy frosts. Maybe we're a little too late to talk about geraniums. But if you've protected them, bring them inside. Even if the leaves have been frosted, the likelihood is the main stems are still alive. So dig them out, bring them in, pot them up into a nice ceramic pot, get them in a sunny window, cut them back. Take all the leaves off. Don't worry about it. Start fertilizing them a little bit, and you're going to find all the foliage is going to come back out, and you're going to have flowers in January, February, and March. Like we talked last week, using that light trick on a timer really helps to make them think that it's a long day, and they'll bloom a lot better. But that's a great way to add color. And then, of course, at this time of year, it's time to start thinking about we're going to add poinsettias at Christmas season, but what are we going to add for 
Thanksgiving, Halloween, you know, all of those time frames. So maybe you've already picked up the centerpiece for Thanksgiving. Maybe you've already got some pot mums inside, you know, but a nice transition plant between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I find, are cyclamen. Long blooming, easy plant. The biggest problem with cyclamen, we usually kill them with kindness. We overwater them. The only time you water a cyclamen is when it's wilting. So when the leaves kind of start to wilt down, we just put some water in a saucer. We should not water our cyclamens from the top of the plant. We just set it in the sink in a couple inches of water, let it soak up what it needs, and then put it back on the shelf. Put it back in that nice ceramic pot. But cyclamen are a very long blooming plant. From Thanksgiving all the way to March, you should have cyclamen in bloom. They do not like a hot, hot, hot room. Okay? So if you keep your house about 70 degrees or cooler, cyclamen will do very well. Keep them away from the heavy heat. So if you have forced hot air heat or you have, you know, a, a real hot, you know, register, keep them away from that. Put them in a cooler spot. But cyclamen are going to give you a great, great way to add color through that off season. Succulents. Succulents are another thing that I think people should use more and more of. And I'm not talking cactus. The difference between succulents and cactus really are thorns. I love cactus. They're really cool, but they don't love me. They always bite. You know, you go to repot them. They stick in your fingers. Heck with that. Succulents, they're soft. There's so many different textures. They work great in a wreath up on the wall. You just take it down and spray it with some moisture periodically, then let it dry a little bit, hang it back up on the wall. They work great in a pot. They work great outside on the patio. They work great inside on the table. Very simple, easy, you know, very, very simple and easy. Now, with succulents, the number one thing we want to look out for is woolly aphid. Okay? It's the one insect that they tend to tend to attract, and they just come out of nowhere. Okay? Because they're very small, and then they explode in the winter months. So keep an eye. A little rubbing alcohol will kill them on a Q-tip, or we can spray them down. But that's the nice part about succulents. They're inexpensive. If they get some problems, it's not. It's very easy to replace them. They always look good. So think about adding some succulents at this time of year. Those work wonderful in a centerpiece for Thanksgiving and fall time frame. You know, if you think about succulents with some some of the little fruit and, and stuff, it really kind of pulls together in a nice look. So use some succulents in some of your centerpieces another way. And then we'll talk a l- little bit now also about the Christmas lights. We talked last week about this, and a bunch of people came in and bought all these orange and purple balls, and and I've seen them going up around town, and it's kind of neat, you know. But Christmas lights, to me, it's a great activity after you eat the big Thanksgiving dinner. Start your holiday decorating right after Thanksgiving. The key is you got to buy them before Thanksgiving, right? So with Christmas lights, pull out the ones that you have now. And check them out because let's face it, usually if you've bought inexpensive Christmas lights, 
they're almost throwaway every single year. And what a waste. Good commercial Christmas lights like we sell are really, really worth the money you spend. They last year in and year out. And the other thing is, which is really nice, which I didn't bring up last week, if you take every other light, they fold up into a nice little bundle. Okay? And that's how I put my lights away because there's six inches in between each light. So it creates this nice little bundle. You put a little, you know, strap around it, little zip tie, and you're good to go for the next year. And what I do to test my lights is I take the bundle out and I plug the whole bundle in. Okay? It's not this gangled up mess with 17 strings. And when I take them down after Christmas, it's nice because the wire's much heavier. If there is a little snow and ice on the on the plants or whatnot, I can still pull them off and feel comfortable that I'm not damaged them. So check out the Christmas lights, but the spheres are out and they look amazing. So think about using getting those up sooner than later. It's much easier to do them when it's warm out than when it's cold. So think about getting some of those lights up, even if you're not going to turn them on yet. You know, pick the warm night, not the cold night. I always try to pick a cold, a nice warm night in the fall to put my Christmas lights up, and then I don't worry about it. But think about your Christmas decorating. If you have a bunch of family and friends around, we always have our Christmas trees in because more and more of our customers are coming in and buying their Christmas tree the day before Thanksgiving, and they put it up with their family on Thanksgiving Day. That evening, after everybody's eaten, they've made a transition, and they put the Christmas tree up, okay? And because many of our families now live in multiple states and maybe aren't coming back to get together until later on at Christmas, it's a good way to decorate your tree and have it all the whole season and then enjoy it you know, and take it down together on Christmas Day. So good way to think about it. Get the family involved. Everybody's around. It's a small job with a lot of hands. It's a big job if it's just you and your wife. You know, so think about that. Fraser fir Christmas trees, I would recommend it. They hold their needle the whole season. You don't have to be concerned about that. So think about all of those things, okay? And last but not least, Halloween. You know, get out there and enjoy I'm going to have my own candy. I'll share if you come knock on my door. But definitely enjoy the holiday. Get the kids out. Um, nowadays, it seems like there, you know, there's all kinds of town events. you know. But what I will say is take your kids out and do a little trick-or-treating in the neighborhood also. You know, early, before you take them to the event, expose them to what you had when you were a kid. You know, you can't let them loose in the neighborhood like we did when we were kids and go for three hours and not be too concerned. But take them to a few homes. Take them, get the experience. A little bit of candy doesn't hurt. A lot might. So certainly, you know, get out there and enjoy this time of year. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. You know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. 
Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the Independent Garden Centers of Maine at maineigc.com. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com slash videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Was your garden all it could be this season? The gardening season may be winding down, but that doesn't mean you can't start looking forward to next year with a visit to Estabrooks. With cooler temperatures and all trees, shrubs, and perennials now on sale for 20 to 50% off, it's the perfect time to invigorate your home. Best of all, you'll be enjoying your garden next spring while everyone else is planting theirs. To learn more, visit Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, Kennebunk, or on the web at estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Can you feel the change coming? Leaves will turn, sweaters will be rediscovered, and autumn will be upon us. Get a jump start on the season with a kaleidoscope of fall color from Estabrooks. Homegrown garden mums are now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. A true harbinger of fall, these fantastic plants will bring the colors of autumn to your home all season long. Winter will be here soon, so make this a fall to hold on to. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Esterbrook. I'm Tom Esterbrook on another Saturday, October 26th. Wow, where'd October go? You know, week in and week out, you know, doing the show, it's just the weeks are flying by. And, you know, let's face it, fall is virtually over. You know, I hope you've been out there and I hope you've got your gutters cleared at this point because now's the time to make sure the leaves are down. You know, um, it's time to make sure you're wrapping up some of these things. Like in past shows, we've talked about, you know, preparing all your equipment for storage. You know, I can't say enough with the gasoline. You know, we need to be careful with the ethanol. In time and time again, I have customers every spring that start their lawnmowers and blow up the engines because of the ethanol and the gas. That water will just heat up and it will explode your engine. So, you know, treat your gas. Make sure, you know, you're putting in good gas. I personally, on my lawnmower, I run it out of gas in the fall. And I actually leave it empty all winter, okay? So for me, that's how I take care of it. But if you want to keep gas in, just make sure it's stabilized gas. There's many different products on the market. But that's a big, big saver right there. Nothing worse than going to mow the lawn the first time and you blow up your lawnmower. Doesn't work out good. Not a good situation. Okay? So we have a couple questions here. This is uh, a question. My hemlocks are looking, are losing needles and yellowing. Is this natural for this time of year? It is natural. Okay? It's a, you probably started to see this process in the last few weeks beforehand. 
And with pines, hemlocks, arborvitae, you know, many plants in the month of October will what I call naturally shed some of their their needles and or foliage. On your evergreens, they always shed maybe 25% of the old needles every fall. And pine trees, you know, they make such a mess. And it's important that you clean all of those pine needles off of your lawn because they will smother the lawn over the winter. So making sure to clean up all of those pine needles and getting them in the compost pile. But Hemlocks this time of year, yes, you will have some yellowing. Now, if your whole foliage is yellow, we may need to look at adding some some nutrients, like iron might be something. But at this time of year, it's really too late to do so. So we would look at the spring as adding some holly tone to the hemlocks and maybe some iron. What that will do is it will boost up the micronutrients and green up the plant without fertilizing. So we would spray this liquid iron on the plant, on the foliage, and we'd water it in. And it's amazing how quick plants will green up with liquid iron. But with arborvitae and, um, you know, pines and spruces, more often than not, if they really yellow a lot, what happens is they're water-stressed in the summer months, and then they lose a lot of that foliage in the fall. So the better you are about water in the summer months, even on established plants, the le- they'll, they won't shed anywhere near as much, okay? If your arborvitae are really dry in the summer months, they're going to shed a lot more. You'll get a lot more seed pods on them also. But with hemlock, they're a water lover. So typically in the summer months, we can't overwater them. And if you're off color in the fall, that's usually the, the likelihood. Now, With hemlocks, we want to check out for two other things. Elongated scale is something we want to look at. It's an insect. It will kind of give a gray look to the plant. So when you're talking yellow, I'm not too concerned. But if it looks kind of like a gray cast to it, then I'm a little more concerned. It might be an insect. The other thing is if we've got a gray woolly appearance to it or woolly adelgid. Now, the state has just changed its quarantine area for hemlocks in the state, and we are analyzing that. They've actually widened the quarantine to include pretty much all of our stores now, which means we can continue to ship between our stores and in the areas. And like I've talked in past you know, shows, I'm a proponent of planting hemlocks in our yard. Even though there are a couple insects that are attacking it, it's really more a concern out in the landscape, out in the big woods of Maine where we've got all these wonderful streams that are lined by hemlock, and we're trying to protect those big old stands up in Acadia and all through our northern Maine woods. So hemlocks, you can plant them. It's not a concern. The one thing you can't do now is take them from our stores here in southern Maine and bring them to your camp in northern Maine. Okay? So that is something that is changing. So There's going to be a whole bunch of new rules and regulations, as every year there are. But actually, I think this is going to make it a little bit more simple for everybody. What we're going to be asking you is where you're planting them, what the destination. We're going to ask you. Now, it's your choice to tell us truthfully where you're going to plant them or where you aren't. But that's one thing we're going to do at Brooks is we're going to ask everybody where they're planting them. Are you planting them at your residence? Are you planting them at your camp? And then just inform you on the reasons why you should or should not 
move hemlocks to northern Maine. So be cautious. Be careful about hemlocks. The It is natural for them to shed some this time of year. So I think your plants are fine. Give them an extra drink before the ground freezes, and I think you're going to be just fine. If you have more problems on your hemlocks, shoot us a question. Shoot us a question at estabrooksonline.com backslash radio, and we will address them in the spring. We'll go over the iron. We'll go over all of that in the spring. Okay? So next question is about composting. And let's face it, we got all kinds of stuff in the yard now. All the leaves are down. I hope you've built your compost piles. This person, I've had, I've made a three-pile compost bin like you had suggested. I have leaves in one, household waste in another, and started in, in a started compost in the third. When do I start mixing and how do I start mixing my compost piles so I have great compost for spring? Okay, here's a, this is a great, great, great question. Turning your compost is the number one important thing. We've talked about it time and time again, and we'll probably get the folks from Coast of Maine to, to come in and talk to us more throughout the winter months about winter composting because I think once we kind of get to a certain point in the season, we just stop turning the piles. That's the biggest thing and the biggest problem we have with making compost in our yard. So, sounds like you've got a started compost pile, which is great. You've got your home waste in another pile, and then you've got the leaves. So, what we want to do is that home waste pile is where we're going to keep adding kind of stuff to. So, we're going to take some of the leaves, we're going to take some of the compost, and we're going to mix them with the waste you're getting from your kitchen. And the reason I want to do that is I want to keep the critters out of that waste pile. So the more we add organic matter and the more we turn that, the less smell there is and the less likely we're going to attract all our rodents and everybody else to our yard. You know, raccoons, squirrels, chipmunks, you know, all of that. Raccoons especially, you know, skunks. Now, obviously, the skunks probably are starting to hibernate at this point, but we always have that ne- that last one day where it's warm and they come out and they're looking for food. Where are they going to go? The compost pile. It's going to be their first area or the trash pile. You know, that trash can you got on the side of the garage. But so we're going to take a little bit of the leaf mass. We're going to take a little bit of the compost. And we're going to take all those kitchen waste and we're going to start cooking. Okay, so we're going to add all of this and we're going to turn it really well. Then every day we're going to add a little bit more leaves. We're going to add a little bit more compost. We're going to turn it again. Every single day, we just keep very repetitive, turn and turn and turn. And then one day, you're going to look out the window first thing in the morning, you're going to see steam coming off of that pile. And when you start to turn it, you're going to start to see more and more steam. And when we start to get that active pile, and it's really doing well, then we're going to start adding it over into the leaf pile, where you've got a lot more organic matter, and you've got a lot more leaves. And we're going to add and add and add. And we're going to jump back and forth between the piles turning constantly. The air and the microbes will start to break everything down, and the more steam and the more heat you build, the better the compost is going to be broken down. And by the time spring, all of that organic matter that you've had around all season long will be ready to spread in your vegetable garden or out on your other perennial beds, and you won't have to purchase any. But the thing is, it takes work. You can't just throw it in a pile and let it rot and expect it to be good compost for your yard. 
A key ingredient is all of those things that we have from our food waste. Okay? Another key ingredient really is all the organic matter. So you've got the leaves. Keep on a turning, folks. It's a lot of work. It's back-breaking. You start to understand why compost is not inexpensive. Okay? Because it is a lot of work. But there's nothing more rewarding than having your own compost to add to your garden. So if you've got a bunch of waste out of your gardens, get that in the compost pile. The bigger the sticks, the bigger the growth, the more you chop it up, the quicker it will compost. So if you have a bagger on your lawnmower and you chop up all your leaves and add it to your compost pile, it will break down quicker. If you rake them in a pile and bring them over and they're not all ground up, it's going to take longer. What types of leaves you have, like pine needles and also oak trees, are t- will take longer to break down. The other thing is if you have a lot of acidic leaves like oaks and pine needles, you may want to add some lime to your compost pile. Just take a few handfuls of lime and throw it in the pile every time you turn it. That will help with the microbes breaking down because those leaves are very hard to break down. It takes quite a bit of time. So chew them up with the lawnmower before you put it away and add that to your compost pile. If you can, you know, mow your leaves more often and add them and turn the pile every week. So instead of waiting for all the leaves to fall down, do some each week and add it to your compost pile. It will the microbes will work a lot quicker when you get the the moisture out of the leaves and all that organic matter is broken down and beat up. The cell surface is broken down, so it will just really rejuvenate and do wonderfully. The key to success with every compost pile is seeing that heat. If you're not seeing any heat in your compost pile, you're not killing any weed seeds, you're not killing any diseases, you're not killing all the things that will harm our garden the following year. You've taken all that organic matter out of your garden, out of the trees, on the lawn, every place else you've added to the compost pile. If it does not heat up enough, you are using an inoculant to basically bring all the bad things back into your yard. So if you don't get the heat, if you don't see that steam, and you don't generate enough heat, I recommend you do not put that compost on your garden. Okay? You might put it on a bed that you're going to rejuvenate, you know, and you're going to add a new bed in another year, work it in, let it kind of compost up in the soil. But I wouldn't recommend, unless you get the heat, that you add it onto your beds. Because you won't kill all the things you've worked to get rid of in pruning all those perennials back, cleaning up all that other dead debris, all the other problems, if you don't get enough heat, you will not kill. All those microorganisms will not, they won't take out all of those diseases. So look for the heat. Look for that steam. The winter months, you should see it all the time. Your compost pile should never really freeze if it's working. Now, the top will freeze, but when you break it open and you turn it, it will warm right back up. You'll see the steam, and then you know you have great, great compost going into spring. So I hope that helps. You know, a lot of questions about compost this fall. You know, it is expensive. If you can do it at home, it really, really is a great way to save money. 
Okay, if you are just getting started and it's the winter and you haven't built your compost bins, then think about buying a bin for your food waste. Okay, and you can add some organic matter to it, you know, um, throughout the winter months. And it's a great way you'll have some compost for spring to start your compost pile out there in the back 40. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on Newstalk WLOB. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook. Another Saturday, the 26th of October. October is wrapping up, and uh, we're on to the holiday season. So let's face it, Halloween's here. Thanksgiving's next, and then the wonderful Christmas. So all kinds of things going on late in the season, but our yards pretty much are, are wrapped up. You know, at this point, there's just probably just finishing up, making sure everything's kind of protected for the winter. Um, hopefully you've got all your um, lawn fertilizers down and everything at this point. But this is the time of year that we want to think about dormant feeding our trees and shrubs. Okay. And, you know, Espoma organic fertilizers are great for this because what we really are looking to do is feed the roots. So all of our plants now pretty much are, are gone dormant. You know, the fall foliage was phenomenal this year. It really was a great, great season for foliage. But at this point, all the trees and shrubs are pretty much shut down. Okay. All the leaves are on the ground. You know, pretty much we're finishing up. We're cleaning up. The last thing we can do to protect is to give them kind of the nutrients to explode out of the ground in the spring. And not many people really dormant feed, okay? It's not really like a feeding in the spring. What it is, it's a light feeding to feed the root system. So think about it this way. Our plant has done all this great growing all season long. And the plant takes all of its nutrients from its leaves and brings it right back down into the root system. And so now it's gone dormant, it's happy, it's got all its energy stored back up in all those roots waiting for the temperatures for next year. So when it comes to November, this is one of the chores that I usually recommend people do. A dormant feed really makes a huge difference when the plants start to come out of dormancy. So think about it this way. We've got great, a great snow blanket, you know, on the ground in the winter months. 
and it's tough for us to get in and give the plants the nutrients they want as they start to wake up. A lot of times we start to feed, you know, later on when we're active. We've got the lawnmower out. We've mowed the lawn a couple times, you know. But we've got that probably month time frame when the plants might want just a little bit of a kick. So this dormant feed, what it does is it kind of lays there. And as the roots are taking up water and nutrients out of the soil, when the temperatures hit a certain critical point, maybe around 45, 50 degrees, the fertilizer starts to release. It's tied up because of the temperature, and the plant can't take it up. So it's a great time of year to have something there just when the plants need it. If you've had some plants that have been stressed and haven't done as well as you would like, this is a great way to jumpstart them for next year. And then, you know, mid to late April, we come in with our normal feed, feed again in, in May. But this is a great way to kind of get them jumpstarted and get them out of dormancy and on the rebound for the following year. So November is the month we use for dormant feeding. Okay, great way to improve plant health care. This is also the time of year that we want to be really crucial, and I've talked about this in past shows. It's that time when we want to be thinking about doing our last watering of the season. Now I know you've probably already taken the hose, drained it, put the hose away, and say, I don't need to water anymore. It's cold, you know, it's all good. I'm fine. But think about all those plants that need to keep their moisture and their needle all season long. Now, we're at that cusp probably where the ground is starting to think about freezing. We may even have a little bit of frost in the ground. But think about doing maybe your last watering this weekend. It all depends on the mother on mother nature. If we warm up again, maybe it's a little bit later, maybe it's mid-November. But think about doing your last watering on everything you've planted this year and then any evergreens, evergreen trees, pines, hemlocks, spruces, any broadleaf evergreens, rhododendrons, mountain laurel, mountain andromeda. And now's the time to start thinking about that wilt-proof. Okay, we we had the wonderful folks from wilt-proof were on a couple weeks ago. And he was telling us about how that film protects the plant. And how it kind of wears off. So here we are. We're at that critical time frame to get to that March time frame he was talking about. So if we do our wilt proof now, it's going to carry us till about the 1st of March. And then remember how we talked about we're going to reapply in March again to protect that late early spring frost freeze thaw time frame. So the nice part about November to through February is it stays pretty cold. We really don't have huge temperature swings. But when we get to March and April, we can go to 60 degrees during the day and we go to 20 degrees at night. And that's the time when most damage is done to our plants in the off-season. So think about getting your wilt-proof down now and then mark on the calendar, March, March 1st. I need to pick a warm day and spray down my plants with wilt-proof again protect them for that early spring season. It's a great way to really make sure and cover and protect our plants. Last thing this time of year that always concerns me are the long-legged woodchucks, otherwise known as deer. 
Now, I don't know about you, but in my yard, I've had a little bit of deer damage already this year. I did the job I told you I was going to do, and I rototilled my field. And I've prepped my garden, and I've done all of this stuff. Well, what I did was I took the food source away from the deer. Now, at this point, my cover crop has come up nicely, and things are looking great. There's plenty of food there. They're hitting the field. They're really grabbing all those last-minute nutrients. But now is the time when, let's face it, the grass is starting to die back. Everything's kind of browning up. The brows are kind of disappearing. Now's the time you need to think about that last-ditch effort to protect your plants. Are you going to cover them? Are you going to fence them? What are you going to do? Because before too long, you can't get the stakes in the ground. The ground's frozen. You know, you can't get to a point where you're able to protect them easily. So make those last-minute decisions. Think about staking out the driveway for the plow guy. If he hasn't done it, maybe you should. If there are specific plants you don't want him to plow into, put some stakes up in front of them. Okay? If you need to, have a meeting with your plow guy. Talk to him about, hey, listen, you really beat up this plant over here last year. You know, can you be cautious? I'm going to put some stakes in front of it. Just talk to him about some of those things. But plow damage is huge in the state of Maine, obviously, because we get a lot of snow. And there's usually not a lot of place to put the snow. If you're somebody who snow blows, you may mark the edge of your walkway with some stakes also. Because if you snow blow along that edge and you uncover the lawn a foot or two feet, you may kill that edge of lawn of your lawn along the walkway. And then you have to come in and replace it the following year. If you're having that type of problem every year, it's probably because of what you're snow blowing. So think about staking that out. Maybe you need to prune a few of your plants that are hanging over the walkway so that you have the space to snow blow. So all good things to kind of think about at this time of year. And the big thing, I always do this, I always forget this, the gutters. There's nothing worse than trying to clean out frozen gutters. All the leaves are down. You should have it done by now. It really is one of those things that you certainly can just kind of wrap up and be done for the season. We've got one question here. I have many shrubs I purchased this year from you. Spirea, lilac, hydrangeas, and roses and rhododendrons. Any special protection for any of these plants in this winter? At this point, the spirea, nothing you have to do to that. If you want to prune it back, you can. Shape it for next spring. It's not a problem. The lilacs, we don't want to do anything to. They've set their flower buds. Let's just make sure there's no heavy snow load coming off the roof or they're going to be plowed into. Other than that, there's nothing. They're plenty hardy. Hydrangeas, we didn't specify whether they were blue hydrangeas or, or if they're paniculato or arborescence types, but depending on the type, you know, if they're arborescence types, you could prune them down to the ground. If they're blue hydrangeas, we don't want to do anything. Don't clean the leaves up on the interior of the plant. Leave them for mulch, you know, to protect those stems. If they're the big old-fashioned hydrangeas, you can prune some of the blossoms off. Roses, we talked last week about how to protect your roses, so hopefully we covered that a little bit. But crowning up and covering them with a rose cone, you know, if they're more tender types. And rhododendrons, like we had talked about earlier in the show. You know, the wilt proof makes a big difference in the last minute watering. 
really makes a big difference. Other than that, really the big thing is that last minute watering on all your plants. You shouldn't have to do a lot to most plants here in Maine, but there's just those key little things. The water and the wilt proof makes a big difference, so certainly make the best of it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on Newstalk WLOB. Was your garden all it could be this season? The gardening season may be winding down, but that doesn't mean you can't start looking forward to next year with a visit to Estabrooks. With cooler temperatures in all trees, shrubs, and perennials now on sale for 20 to 50% off, it's the perfect time to invigorate your home. Best of all, you'll be enjoying your garden next spring while everyone else is planting theirs. To learn more, visit Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, Kennebunk, or on the web at estabrooksonline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Can you feel the change coming? Leaves will turn, sweaters will be rediscovered, and autumn will be upon us. Get a jump start on the season with a kaleidoscope of fall color from Estabrooks. Homegrown garden mums are now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. A true harbinger of fall, these fantastic plants will bring the colors of autumn to your home all season long. Winter will be here soon, so make this a fall to hold on to. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. For over 60 years, Wiltproof has provided the most effective protection against moisture loss in plants under water stress, and no other product comes close. Our non-hazardous, organic, and biodegradable film is like having several layers of protection. As the outside layer of Wiltproof wears off with the weather, another layer forms. Wiltproof is the only horticulture anti-transparent that has the ability to provide this long-lasting protection. Put your trust in Wiltproof. Check out their site at wiltproof.com. That's wilt-proof.com. Fall is in the air, leaves are changing, pumpkins turning, and fall is the best time to plant trees, shrubs, and perennials. You can buy your plants and garden supplies almost anywhere. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine, working together to ensure you, the customer, gets the best quality advice and service. Visit us at MainIGC.com to see the closest IGC member near you, then stop by your local member garden center, where we'll help you select the best product for Maine's climate and soil. We work together to satisfy you. Visit us at MainIGC.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook. Your host on another Saturday morning. It is the 26th of October. Oh boy, October is over. That's it, last Saturday of October. And I hope you've got all your chores done. I hope you got out to the apple orchard. I hope you were able to kind of enjoy the fall foliage. I know I had, I you know, it was just a great, great fall season this year. The weather was great. We really had very little rain the whole season. Uh, you know, overall, the foliage I thought was really good. Um, we spent a nice weekend up on uh, a lake up in Lee, Maine with some friends. Uh, first time I had been in that area, and boy, the foliage was just amazing a few weeks ago. And, you know, it's just a great time of year to kind of take it all in. And now we're headed into winter, which is always kind of what you make it. For me, winter in Maine is a, a glorious season if you make it that. If you get out and enjoy Mother Nature and you get out and enjoy the snow, 
then you love this time of year. You know, obviously it creates some challenges in all levels, but winter for me is the time of year for rebirth, okay? We go through the Christmas season and we do all of that, but then winter really kind of, oh, we're getting, getting ready for spring, you know, we're getting all the seedlings in, we're, you know, starting to sow plants, we're, you know, planting stuff up, the hanging baskets are starting. So all of this kind of starts in January and February. So as soon as we're done with the Christmas holiday, it's like, ooh, it's on. For us in the garden center industry, we're lucky. We work in a greenhouse all winter. 70 degrees, sunny, you got the radio on, life is good. The only thing I don't like is shoveling. We've got 28 greenhouses, and each one of them has doors and everything else, and you have to clean them out after every storm. But winter is what you make of it, so I hope you can get out there and at this point plan for what you're going to do this winter season. One thing, you know, I do really like is supporting your cut-your-own Christmas tree farms. You know, we sell Christmas trees. They're all from Maine. We don't buy them from out of state. So always ask where you're buying your Christmas tree. Is it a Maine-grown Christmas tree? And I can't say enough. There is some blurred lines there when it comes to greens, greens, roping, all of that. Because a lot of times nowadays what's happening is the distributors on some of this material are actually in Canada. But the reeds are being produced in Maine. (laughs) But they have to put a product Canada tag on them. So sometimes it is tough, especially some of our suppliers that are on the main border. Actually, their headquarters is in Canada. And we all know why companies do that up in northern Maine. It's because they get a whole lot of benefits from the other side of the border in order to do that. So it's not always cut and dry. I don't want to tell you we don't buy anything from Canada at our Christmas season. We buy stuff from Oregon. We buy stuff from all over the country. We can't provide everything in Maine. But Maine Christmas trees are a lifeblood to our industry. So think about supporting those local growers. Ours come out of the Bangor area. Great, great nursery up there. Does a great job for us. Always well taken care of. Healthy trees, dark green, full of moisture when we get them. So always check to make sure that you're your greens and stuff are coming as local as possible. But your cut-your-own Christmas tree farms are an experience. They're a family experience. You know, our customers who shop Christmas trees with us primarily are older. Their kids are out of school. You know, it's more convenience. Make an experience out of it. You know, get a hot chocolate. You know, do the whole thing. But right now we've we've got Thanksgiving coming and Halloween, candy can taste it already. But it's important that we pull all these times together. And what I want to talk about is our ladies' night. Okay, we're going to wrap up kind of the show here with our ladies' night. So all kinds of really fun stuff going on. And we've got other Christmas events coming too. But this one kind of is new for us. We've done ladies' nights in the past, but we've really partnered up with some great people this year. So our ladies' night November 14th from 3 to 7, Rosemont's going to be at our place doing a wonderful wine tasting. We've got a whole host of 
artisans that are going to be setting up also. So you know when you go to these artisan markets and they set up their little 10 by 10 tents, we're going to have that mixed in amongst all of our Christmas stuff. Okay, and so they're going to have their own little tents all lit up, jewelry and all kinds of different artisan stuff, things that we don't typically sell. A great way to get some of these gifts out of the way, a great way to kind of smooth out the holiday season. I'm going to talk a lot about this over the next few weeks because Thanksgiving and Christmas are so tight when it comes to time frame. We don't have that many weekends in between. Just the way everything falls this year, it is the closest time frame in shopping season we've had in forever. So don't let the stress of the holiday season. I've talked about this a lot in last week's show. How important it is that we decompress the whole holiday time frame. And I wrap Christmas and Thanksgiving together. Because really now with the way we all treat the holidays, it's just one big blur. So how do we slow down and enjoy the whole season? And I talked a little bit about this last week. It's important for us just to enjoy the whole thing. So do things spread out. We're going to add some value. We're not making any money off these artisans, folks. We're just excited to offer you something else at a great time of year and enjoy a shopping experience. Okay? So we're excited. I hope you get out there. Enjoy your Saturday. Check our email and a whole bunch of new events coming on. We'll see you next week. Get out there and enjoy your garden.